The following is an Earth 2 Network special presentation. Hi, this is the world-famous Ryan Stegman, creator of The Beatles, uh, The Walking Dead, and Jurassic Park. Uh, I've been saddled with the friendship of Jerry McDade solely because I live in the state of Michigan, so he asked me to record this uh, intro. Merry Christmas. Uh, I hope you enjoy Great Expectations Podcast. Sean is the better host. Thanks. Bye. Hey, this is Sean. This is Jerry. And this is the second annual Great Expectations Podcast Christmas Spectacular. Yeah. Which, I don't know, Jerry. It's been an interesting year. Yeah, I this, call it interesting. This, uh, it's, it's been a roller coaster ride doing this show with you. I think oh. there might not be a... I think there might... I don't know if we're going to make it to a third annual Christmas Spectacular. Should we even be saying that to people? I don't know. They're just going to turn it off right now. They got... No... They shouldn't turn it off don't, now. I mean, don't do that. I'm just worried that they might. I'm just saying. Well, say it. It's time say to it, uh, don't spray it. That was terrible. That was, that was pretty terrible. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to spray it because of this delicious eggnog you've poured for oh, us. Oh, yeah. we got to go on. We're right next to the Christmas tree. I'm getting a sunburn from this Christmas tree. It's fantastic. It's got a wonderful Wolverine ornament. Yeah. Right where we are. That looks like uh, Wolverine in the X-Men cartoon era Wolverine. It is. I approve. It's my favorite of my Marvel ornaments because, well, I like that one too. Any of the ones that are straight out of the comics or look like they're out of the comics, I appreciate. But the ones that are straight up movie renditions, hmm, hmm. it can go either way. That's not what we're here to talk about. No. Nor our retirement. No. We don't want to talk about that. No. Um, Times are tough in the podcasting world. They're tough everywhere, or nearly everywhere. Some people seem to be having great success. I guess so. Kitty Pride! You're real! And what are you doing on our recording? Both of you listen very closely. Your podcast is unbelievably important to the future. Professor X sent me back in time to try and reach the two of you. We know that things have been tough for your podcast, what with scheduling conflicts and people barely even bothering to pay attention. But it's important for the future of mutant kind that the two of you band together and focus on spreading the word of the X-Men as far and as wide as your audience will allow. I've been sent here by Xavier to take you back to your beginnings, to remind you this Christmas of what you're fighting for, and to remind you of the joy that you find in our stories. So grab on so I can phase us through time to the moment you two embarked on your journey. Hey, that's my childhood home. That's my bedroom window, Sean. I'll bet you I'm in that room right now, reading some classic Uncanny X-Men. Or New Mutants issues. Uh, actually, I don't think that's what you're doing with those issues, Jerry. (laughs) Ah, Jesus, Jerry. I was 14. Remind me to send Logan back here to stop you from doing that. Creep. All right, grab on. We've got to go a bit further into the future. My hand, Jerry. 
I meant my hand. Hey! This is our local comic shop, back to the past, in scenic Redford, Michigan. Quit plugging, damn it. Wait a minute. This is the day of the Ryan Stegman signing. The day you discovered your first real-life comic crush. Oh yeah. Up top. There you guys are. Look at you swooning, Jerry. And look at you, Sean, all decked out in your Rocket Raccoon t-shirt before it was cool. I'll let you in on a future secret. That bank teller that made fun of your t-shirt was destroyed when a sentinel stepped on the bank. That's not what we're here to talk about, though. Do you remember what else happened this fateful day? It's the day I asked Sean to start the podcast with me. It is. This is the day the two of you started your journey on becoming the greatest X-Men-themed podcast in all the land. Let's take a listen. So, uh, Sean, I've got this idea for doing an X-Men-themed podcast, and I thought you'd be the perfect co-host. I was thinking of doing something really serious. A show that puts all the other shows to shame. We'll have creators on to discuss what got them into the X-Men, what they love about it, but we'll go deeper, Sean. We'll have some real journalistic integrity. We'll ask the tough questions. We'll discuss art styles, process questions, just something where we really get into the art of making comics. No bullshit, no jokes, a real respectable show. <sighs> yeah, sounds great, Jerry. You, uh, you seem pretty excited about this, man. It could be a good time. I mean, I could promise to keep us on track, and I'll try not to derail any conversations. I know it's important to you that we stay on task, so I won't flounder. But I promise, I really promise to not say anything offensive on the show. And I'll, I'll try to keep the jokes to a minimum, too. And no. I, I swear to God, I know I do this a lot, but I'll keep the digressions to a minimum. I appreciate no, no, that. no little anecdotes or Sean stories. All X-Men. No, wait. So you're telling me no band stories? Absolutely no no band stories. I don't want anybody to know that. It's a shameful part of my past. Exactly. Exactly. And absolutely no discussions of thinking comic book characters are attractive. It's gross and it puts people off, man. That's nasty. I mean, kind of dork admits to having a crush on a comic book character. Creeps. See? Look at how excited you two were. You need to find that love again. There are too many podcasts that just slam everything. You need to rekindle that youthful exuberance you had. Bring back the excitement. The future depends on the two of you remaining friends and carrying on with the show. You ready? All right. Grab hold. We're going to go <laughs> back to the present. Get back in time. Damn it. It didn't go forward far enough. When is this? This is the day I set everything up for the show. See? There we are. Hey, Sean, I got the microphones. We're all set to record tomorrow. Wait, you're serious? All right, back in the right time, December of 2014. Remember, keep the faith. The future depends on it. Don't lose sight of your joy. Remember the feeling you had when you got an X-Men comic or an X-Men toy under the tree? Hold tight to those memories. You'll be visited by others this evening during your recording. Don't let them get you to quit. Find your X-Men happy place and carry on. The future depends on it. Sean, I... What just happened? We just got visited by Kitty Pride, man. A uh, not 14 Kitty Pride. An adult Kitty Pride. Think about that. Dude, she's even hotter. IRL. <laughs> I can't take it seriously when you use 
internet abbreviations. Are you trying to pander to the audience? WTF! I talk like this all the time! R-O-F-L? Okay, I'll... Roll on the floor laughing. Yeah. You figured it out. So, one of the things that we wanted to talk about on this spectacular Christmas thing... Thing. On this spectacular Christmas podcast... Uncanny. It's it's an uncanny Christmas. It's a giant-sized Christmas. Yeah. Um, Jared... One of the things that you love is original art. Um, you know it. I also do, but I only own one original page from Uncanny X-Men. Um, but we were thinking about it, and we were like, what would be a cool topic? And Jerry came up with the cool idea of, which is perfect for podcasting. I mean, this <laughs> is the greatest idea ever for a podcast. <laughs> yeah. You want to lay it on the people? Something nice and visual. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this will work. Sean, if Santa were to come to your house, which he won't because he'd been terrible this year, but if he were and he were to leave five, one, two, three, four, five original pages of X-Men art under your Christmas tree with your name on them, what would you want them to be? That sounds awesome. Yeah. Now, imagine, because this will never happen, but imagine that it would happen, and like just imagine the pressure of selecting the right five. That's true. That would be real pressure. Uh, there was some pressure on this, and I have to say that I, being the sentimental, weird bastard that I am, <laughs> I chose my five from a memory sentimental place. Mm-hmm. Not an iconic place. So I avoided um, things that obviously, like, as an X-Men fan, I would fucking love to have. Like Wolverine right. in the sewers. Who wouldn't want that page, right? But I, I, but I avoided that. that. Mm. I avoided that and went for things that specifically spoke to me. So the only original art piece I own is a Ron Garney piece from Uncanny X-Men number 321, which was a big... It's good that we're bringing this up at this point, too, because I remember reading this issue probably Christmas of 1994. Crazy. Or 95. No, it had to be 94 going into 95. Yep. Yeah. No. Yes. All right, nobody's gonna know the difference. Yeah. It was ninety four or ninety five, but it's a it's a um it's a great page of the first time period that Xavier and Magneto were friends, and it's them drinking in a bar talking about mutation. Professor X has his Indiana Jones hat. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Now the page you have is is hand lettered, right? Lettering's on the page. Yeah, I think it's got um. Like it's like a clear, it's like a thing over it that I think. Oh, you acetate? Can, maybe. I don't know. I haven't pulled it out of the frame since I bought it. Okay. I felt bad when I bought it too, because Garney was looking at it too. Oh wow. Yeah. And then I took it over to his table, and I was super excited to find it. Didn't he draw it? He did. But I think he was looking at it like in a. I don't know. I could have been reading into this. Like situation. he was going to buy it back? Yeah, maybe. Really? Yeah. Wild. He seemed pretty excited because I was super jazzed about it. Well, maybe he's just watching you enjoy it. I was really excited though. Who wouldn't get off on that? It was my first big con too. It was New York. Oh yeah. In 2010. Mm-hmm. 
And I ran right over to his and Leanne will use table. Man, that's my boy. Yeah, they were sitting next to each other. It's pretty cool. So, that was actually my number one page that I would have, so I was able to find my number one, but I, I chose a new number one that I'm gonna get all sentimental Aww. and creepy about. And maybe it'll be one you can own someday. Oh my god, if I could, I would punch a baby to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Don't well, listen to that, Santa. I, I hope I can witness that. <laughs> just wait for just, me to get there. Just me punching a baby? Yeah. Or does it have to specifically for go to the moon? the purpose of you getting art. And <laughs> okay. it does have to go to the moon. Okay. I think I can manage that. So... We will have a um, visual guide through this uh, on our Tumblr page, which is greatx-pectations.com, which will take you to our Tumblr page. Yes. And so we'll have all of these in all their glory so you can follow along as you're listening. So grab yourself some hot chocolate and some eggnog, put on some Bing Crosby and or Frank Sinatra, kick back, light the fireplace, yeah. Let's take a ride down memory lane, motherfuckers. A sleigh ride down memory lane, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Hi, this is Chris Yost, one-time writer of New X-Men, X-Force, X-Men, Amazing X-Men, Spider Stuff. Just wanting to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Who's going first, Jerry? You want, oh. paper, you want paper, rock, scissors for it? I'm terrified. You ready? I will let you let me go first. Okay. This okay. I this it feels like a cop out to say this was really hard, and I couldn't come up with just five. It was pretty tough. I have to admit, it gave me great anxiety because I've been doing that, like replacing everything with mylars. Mm-hmm. Mylars are so damn expensive that I've been doing it in chunks, and so like I just wish that I could have had. Like, I wish I could have hit the lottery so that I could have bought a shit ton of mylars. <laughs> so I could have just locked myself in my room for a week, reorganized everything, and just poured over everything. Because I'm sure yeah. there are things I'm already kicking my own ass for, like, this would be great, this would be great. Yep. So I tried to stick, like I said, to things that were really sentimental to me, stuff that I'd remember right away. Um, but there have been plenty of pages that we've discussed over the past year and a half of doing this uh, show mm-hmm. that I would love to have. I wanted to go back and try to think about the moments that we really lingered on when we were discussing issues, because I figured those would probably be the pages I would want. Well, it's weird but it was too. hard to to remember because one of the things is like I tried to pick, I tried to like do the thing where I was like I will only allow myself to choose one from one artist. Yeah, you know, like if I was going to pick a John Byrne piece, it had to be. Just one. Like, I couldn't pick two. I have one in my head that I'm expecting you to pick, if you pick a burn page. If it's not that one, I'm going to be really surprised. I actually kept burn off the list because we specifically said pages, and I really wanted a cover. Uh But one of the pages that I thought about is um, last Christmas, when we did our Christmas episode, which you should listen to, we discussed the uh, Moses Magnum issue. Yeah. Okay? And... uh there was like a fight between him and Colossus, and there was a really great panel of Colossus that I loved. 
So that was one of the pages that I thought. The one where Colossus like, is putting his fingers in his ears. <laughs> I be. thought that's where you were going. I'm really disappointed. <laughs> but I think, like, if I were to choose a burn page, I didn't, so I can just say this. But if I, cause, what's the burn page you think I would pick? I was 100% sure it was gonna be Magneto in the, um, the coach, the car. Yeah. Like, reclining on the chair. I do love that. I thought about that one, cause I thought about the Mesmero one too. Right. Um, but actually, if I were to pick a John Byrne page, which I didn't, so I feel free to say this since it wasn't one of my drum roll choices, mm-hmm. it would be the um, page where Xavier kills the Shadow King. Yep. Yeah. And it's that it's the of him flopping face first. That on the almost table. made my list too. I I Fucking was flipping through page. my omnibus last night, and I kind of lingered on that one for a little while. It's, it's a like, good one, and I thought that might possibly make your list. It did. If I, if I, if I had gone from a, I've, obviously, I mean, we went with the Santa route so he could afford them, but I chose to go <laughs> sentimental this time around as opposed to, uh, thinking like a collector. Jerry always thinks like a collector, so right. he's gonna have five top well, notch pieces. I mean, I I'm don't... gonna have five pieces where everybody's like, get the fuck out of here, Sean, I could draw you something better than that. <laughs> right. I think that if you're thinking like a collector, you're thinking like, what is something that everybody will love? You know, and if, if your taste is more mainstream, like mine is, then you probably will end up with something valuable because it's what everybody wants. Yeah. So, like when you mentioned Wolverine in the sewers, of course, I mean, it's iconic and of course everybody's going to want it and of course it's valuable as hell. That panel to me really personifies Wolverine. In those earlier years. Plus the Phoenix Saga, like I have such a strong tie to that storyline with it because I got it at Christmas time and read it every year at Christmas. Mm -hmm. And so it was tough for me to actually not pick a page of those. But I kind of have a weird tie-in to that in Mm -hmm. my... uh, in my number two choice. This has like become a conversation of pages we didn't pick. Yes. I, I like right. it. This is unexpected. No, I'm not. I don't want to steer it away from this. I just, I like this conversation. I, the, the, the page that I think you think would be my number one, I actually didn't choose even though I really wanted to. From Dark Phoenix or overall? Overall. Hmm. What did you think my number one was going to be? God, I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. Because I figure your number one is going to be one of the ones where a storm is naked flying in the sky, right? <laughs> I do. I did give heavy consideration to a scantily clad lady. I it would, but it, it wasn't would, storm. Oh God, it would be hilarious if all your choices were just pages that had hot females in the background. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it would be. Hey everyone, this is Guest of Future Past, Don Cardenas, wishing Jerry, Sean, and the rest of my fellow Muty lovers a safe and happy holiday season. Well, except for Gambit. Fuck that guy. So you're starting this off, man. We can go through, um, we'll pepper in ones that we didn't choose that we would have wanted to. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you will see on my list, well, I don't want to spoil it, I guess. We'll wait until after. Give me number five. My number five, I believe, Yes. I had a 5 and a 5A. 
I tried to hit five different artists. Okay. And there were a couple times where I was like, I think it'd be this page, but I really liked this page too. And I had a much harder time with this artist than I thought I would because coming into the podcast, this was my favorite stretch of the X-Men. Okay. So I thought for sure I'd be able to pick one, but that's the thing. Like when you love a stretch of comics, it's, it's tricky to, to pick one out. I, I found myself finding flaws in everything because I was like, well, that can't be the best because, because th- this panel isn't as strong as the other four on the page. Or, yeah. It got stupid. And no, frustrating. no, I was doing the same thing too because I was like, there was part of me where I'm like, well, I don't really have any with this character that I really love in it. You know? Yeah. It, it was a pretty actually like, this is a difficult thing to do. It, it almost wasn't fun, but in the end I have this list and oh, this, it'll be fun. Super awesome. Totally so, fun. So my number five is Uncanny X-Men number 211. Okay. Which is part of Mutant the Mutant Mutant Massacre. It was illustrated by Brett Blevins, inked by Al Williamson, and it is the page where Colossus crushes Riptide's neck. And I know we talked about that we did. with Yost, and I probably mentioned it maybe even in an earlier episode. I can't remember, but going through all those JRJR books and trying to find one that I liked was really difficult. And this is only loosely a JRJR page because he did the breakdowns, I think. But, I mean, it's pretty obviously a Blevins finished thing. And uh, not necessarily the best-looking page ever, but just... That change in Colossus where he, he just snaps seeing all of his friends get mowed down by Riptide and he just nails him. Yeah. The lettering, some of my favorite lettering from that, that run. It's, it's got everything, but trying yeah. to find something that, that was Ramita, more Ramita. Um, there was a page from um, number 209 is page 14 where the, I really love this, this book where, um, the X-Men and the Hellfire Club are fighting Nimrod together okay. while also kind of fighting each other. And there's a page where, um, in an earlier issue, Rogue had taken Nightcrawler and Colossus's powers to help her because, well, because they were incapacitated. So to help her fight off Nimrod, she takes their powers and then she teleports his arm off. And it leaves them weakened enough that they can get away. Um, or he, he escapes after she defeats him, I think. But, um, Nightcrawler tries that move on Nimrod. But since he's seen it before, he's ready for it. Aww. And he tries to disintegrate Nightcrawler as he's teleporting. And so, Instead of his normal teleportation, he just kind of blurs and disappears. And then that's all you see of him. Oh wow. For the rest of the issue. And um like you don't you don't know what happened to him. So it was scary. <laughs> and uh, you know, just like, oh sh this guy's like my favorite dude and maybe he just died. Because the the book definitely seemed like it was 
already moving in a really dark direction. Yeah. With everything that happens to Rachel and um the mute massacre hasn't happened yet, but you you can kind of feel it in the air. Right. Like you know that's something really coming. bad's coming. Yeah, cuz they can't keep Nimrod away forever. That's yeah. just what it felt. It felt like they he, they can't beat this guy. Eventually he's going to be the end of them. And it looked like he got Nightcrawler on that day. So I I still feel an attachment to that. So I'd probably go with one of those two. Yeah. It's a tough choice. I think I think the Colossus page is probably the better page. Yeah, I thought I speaking of Nightcrawler getting it from a Nimrod, like I almost chose that X Force issue from uh Messiah. Oh. Is it War? Is it no, it wasn't Messiah War, Messiah Complex, Messiah Second Coming. That was the last one. That was when Nightcrawler died. When he got the Bastion Nimrod hand through his heart and teleported away, saving hope. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? I wouldn't want to own a page of my favorite character dying. No. I don't think I would either. I want I want life celebrated. Yeah. Especially at Christmas time. Yeah. Even if jerks aren't leaving us iTunes reviews. Huh. Why you gotta make me go think Sorry. about sad things? Sorry. Sorry. Those are, those are good choices for number five. Thanks. Hi, this is Greg Turner. Uh, glad to be back here. Wishing everybody a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, Happy Holidays for everybody else. You might remember me from an earlier episode, actually two episodes. I was uh, talking about the Neil Adams run on episodes 10 and 11. And I just want to wish you, as well as Jerry and Sean, a uh, happy holiday season. I hope Santa's good to you and you find some X-Men goodness in your stocking. Take care. Are we going back and forth? Yes. Okay. Does that mean it's my turn? Yeah. All right. It's your turn. Hmm. You have the books with you, I'm sure, because we're at your house. We are at my house. So, I have my number five choice was an odd one. Uh, and I'm really jealous because this is a book that I don't own because you never see these. Yes. I actually, um, it was right before Christmas and I, unfortunately, I don't remember why my mom allowed me to do it. I must have done something, but it was weird for her to ever, um, let me buy anything before Christmas, especially because my birthday is in October and Christmas, so between that time period, it's like this black hole where I'm not allowed to get anything. But for some odd reason, I think it was because um, I had noticed Wednesday at the comic book store that they had the um, brown and tan, tan Wolverine pop-out Toy Biz toy, and I really wanted it. Uh-huh. It had like a mask that removed, that turned into a ring, which I would not have worn, but... <laughs> um, I think I had just started reading some issues where he was in this costume, so right. I wanted a toy of that costume. And I knew it was up there. And there was another comic that I wanted. And so my mom gave me the money um, to be able to to get it. So I think everybody at the house was busy because my grandparents were coming in from town and it was snowy. But it was the first time I ever rode my bike to a comic book store. I was a little kid, I had a BMX, <laughs> and I was hauling ass at Christmas time to go get this Wolverine toy and Bizarre Adventures number 27. Yeah! 
Secret Lives of the X-Men. I always saw it in the shop, and I thought it had such a cool cover. And since three of my favorite X-Men are Phoenix, Nightcrawler, and Iceman, it had all of them on the cover, so I was super mm-hmm. excited about it. And it felt real adult, because it was black and white. Yeah, large size. Yeah, it was a big format. Magazine size, yeah. yeah. It was crazy. So, uh, the first story is a Jean story. Second story is a cool Iceman story. And the third story is the one that I wanted to talk about because I would like the very first page of that story, which is the X-Men. It's a Dave Cockrum drawn page, mm-hmm. which is weird for me to choose Cockrum since I'm always hard on Cockrum, right? <laughs> well, I I mean, you can tell it's a Cockrum page immediately. The storm on there is so Cockrum storm. Yes. And perfect. And I just liked, like, it's a shot of the X-Men crowded around the TV in the mansion. And Kurt and Storm are in, like, lazy boy chairs. Colossus is sitting on the floor. Wolverine's behind him drinking a beer. You can see Cyclops in the back. And you can kind of tell that it's the holiday season, like, Mm -hmm. just the way that the place looks. And they're all gathered around watching Zorro. Huh. Nightcrawler's choice, I'm sure. That's awesome. And so I just love that page. Because it's got the whole group. Like, if I couldn't pick a baseball page, I still wanted a page of the team being a family. Because that's one of the things that I love about the book. Yeah. So I'd like to have this for that regard. And then, too, the memory of, like, pedaling up to the store and being Mm -hmm. all excited about it. And I actually did have a fireplace in my house at that time. So I remember, like, being on the floor reading this right by the fireplace. (laughs) There's some really great art in this, too, because it's a story about Nightcrawler. Um, it's like Vanisher's, like, stuck between places, and there's this cool double-page spread of, like, as they teleport together, like, all the different... It's them, like, teleporting through different timelines. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, a female Nightcrawler and a Vanisher, and, like, a duck and a rat. <laughs> <laughs> So I just thought that was pretty cool. So that was my number five choice. I'm such a big Nightcrawler guy. Solid. I know. And you don't even have to worry about losing the color from picking the original art because it's printed in black and white. Yep. I know. I'm going to get so much shit for picking something black and white. That's so unlike Sean. It is. It really is. You're growing up, I'm growing up. I'm so proud. Xavier roasting on an open fire, Strucker nipping at his nose. Hey, heroes, Solstice Steve Raker of the Marvel Noise Podcast here from the Comic Book Bunker, wishing a wonderful Christmas and New Year's season to Jerry, Sean, our Merry Mutants, and GXP listeners everywhere. Image inducers for everyone. Aw, heck, you too, Baron. Happy holidays. Here comes the light. Everybody needs a light. So my number four, it was uh, it was tough to put this. I feel like this is really far down the list, but the others are so good I had to. But I chose um, Astonishing X Men Volume Two. I assume this would be Volume Two since there was the miniseries in the nineties. Oh, look at you, number four. Okay, page twenty one. 
I know it well. <laughs> so this is the page after Colossus makes his reappearance in the Marvel Universe. And uh runs through Kitty. A shocked Kitty who's just seen him that he's alive and not dead. And uh he runs through him and you see... And then you, of him, all you see is, is just shadow, him hoisting some guy over his head. But then Kitty touches her heart in the foreground, and it's awesome. It is. I, I love, can't say anything else about it. I love that, <laughs> I love that we're two for two on Jerry turning up. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good, but it broke my heart because when I went on comicartfans.com to look at some pages and, and try to, you know, use that, like seeing the physical page to help me make the decision. Um, just to see that like one guy owns this whole sequence kills me. Yeah. He might not have this page. I don't think this page is on, on okay. there. I think whoever's got it is holding back. And it might be that Cassidy still owns it. And yeah. it might be that Laura Martin owns it because she got some of the art and is a proud owner of it. Well, that's good. So, I thought she about... owns the cover to that issue. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I actually thought about that page, but that's actually my second favorite page out of the third. Nope, third, third favorite page out of the run. Hmm. One of them's from pretty late. Yep. And it's a Cyclops-centric one, right? I wonder what the other one was. Was it Kitty with her arm faced through? You're about to find out, because it's my number four. All right. T'was the night before Christmas, and the mutants were drawn. Jerry's new crush was staring, plus a nostalgic Sean. The comics were bagged and boarded with care, in hopes that a new GX pod soon would be there. Thank you, gentlemen, for another great year of X-Men Podcast. With love from Anthony Latch. You know, that guy who won't stop gushing about Joss Whedon. Thanks, guys. Are you ready? We both went Cassidy, number four. We did. It's the final page of issue 22. It is Cyclops being sucked out of his spaceship. And it is the shot of, and I need the words... It's the shot of Jean as he's dying, and she says, nice to meet you too. And then as he closes his eyes and he dies, he sees Xavier one last time, and it says, what a future you have ahead of you. Uh. <laughs> and then he dies. And yeah. I was like, I know, I know, I said I didn't want to pick a page where one of my favorite character dies, but we all know how this turns out. Right. But if that character was to die, that's what I want to see. No Emma Frost. Oh, bitch. Just Jean Grey and Charles Xavier. Yeah. The way the X-Men should be. It was tough, because this whole Astonishing X-Men run is a fucking love letter to everything that we love about the X-Men. So I could have chosen the To Me My X-Men Yeah. on the second to last issue where he blows those guys to holy hell. But I went for the gut punch of seeing a young Jean Grey and a Charles Xavier. And I love, I just love Charles and Line. In that issue. Yeah. Ah. It's good stuff. I don't want to do this anymore. Now I'm too sad. I'm sorry. Have yourself a merry little Xmas. Make the mutants bright. 
Happy holidays, Jerry, Sean. I would also include uh, a happy holiday to your producer, but I'm not entirely sure that he celebrates holidays. Uh, you know who you are, Baron. And everybody that's listening, have a happy and a safe and a wonderful and a mutatious holiday. Bye. Does your number is your number three going to be a pick me up? Yeah, they're going to make fun of my number three because you're a jerk. Well, we've already discussed my number three. My number three is the classic Wolverine. Now it's my turn. Page, the final page of X Men number one thirty two. It's a good one. But this one also comes with a three A. Oh, because it was kind of tough to choose between that one and. Page four of, of issue 134, where he runs into the, the, uh, Hellfire goons for the first time. Yeah. And carves them up. And it, and the, it, that's, so that's the page where he's across the room from the last guy. Okay. And kind of yeah, yeah. dares him to try to shoot him. Yeah. Oh, that's, those books are so good, man. But I think it's weird because, that whole story is kind of about Gene becoming the Dark Phoenix, and you, it makes sense that you would pick something with her in it. Right. But for me, that the the Hellfire part of it is all about Wolverine. For yeah. me, like that, he's the highlight of that stretch because you get to see him function on his own, really, for the first time, and he's a total badass. Yeah. So it'd probably be one of those two. But the now it's my turn is, that was where I was like, yay! Cause I thought he'd been aced. Right. But nah. Yeah. He's just mad now. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was a tough call to not pick those, but like I said, I, I kind of had a feeling that that would be in your list, so yeah. it would get its due reverence. Right. So I decided to go a different route. Hey, this is Justin Peterson, artist and writer of Very Near Mint. While you're shoveling snow this winter, I'll be sitting outside in 80-degree weather enjoying a margarita. Merry Christmas! <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> oh, Jerry. <laughs> Let's see your stick figures, your, your your Saturday morning cartoons. I really love Iceman. And yes. Jerry always makes fun of me for it. <laughs> I called it. <laughs> <laughs> I called it. So I chose X-Men number 69, page one. Because it's a splash page of Iceman kind of shooting across the water. And he's got a sweet ice slide going. And he just looks like a badass. Carlos Pacheco and Salvador La Roca with Art Thibert. Wait, what is it? Thibert? T-Bear? T-Bear? I think. Okay. Art T-Bear? Thibert. Cyber. That's how I always wrote it when yeah. I was a little kid. We'll ask him when we're in Indiana. All right. In March. But yeah, that's uh I love Iceman, so I was like a sweet splash page of Iceman from my favorite story mm-hmm. of Bobby's mm-hmm. that doesn't involve his dad getting beat up. Right. Right. I thought about just picking five pages from that just to piss you off. <laughs> I was gonna have five pages of Bobby's dad. <laughs> like every panel would just, every page would just be like oh hey Bobby Drake's dad showed up yay 
dude, I've raced zero tolerance. It's the best move ever for Bobby Drake. And then they went and made him stupid again. Yeah. Those old so's and so's. Cause when I was picking out the Pacheco stuff too, there was a, there was a, um, there was a cover that I love. It's, uh, X-Men number 80. Mm-hmm. And when I was a kid, I, obviously I didn't start reading the X-Men when Kitty Nightcrawler and Colossus were on the team. They were already part of Excalibur. And this was the issue where they came back. Oh, right. As full-fledged X-Men. So this was like a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it loses some points because it's got marrow on the cover. <laughs> so I think if I were to buy it, I'd just start erasing. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, you're out of here. <laughs> so yeah, that was my number three. Good old Iceman. And Jerry, before we even started recording, was like... Which one of yours is going to be Iceman? I knew. What a dick. I knew. Hey, Jerry and Sean. I want to wish everyone at Great Expectations and all of your fantastic listeners a very wonderful Merry Christmas. This is Wendy from Double Page Spread, and I love you guys, and I love you all year round, and I want you to have the world's greatest 2015. Happy Holidays! Uh, so, okay, so my number two... This was my number one until I remembered that I was missing something really important. Really important to me. Okay. Which should be obvious. Karma. Oh my god. That, if I was gonna have a 1A, that might be it. (laughs) That, my one might have a 1Z. (laughs) But, number two for me is from Uncanny X-Men number 173, page, I think 12. I always have a hard time getting the numbering right with the original art. But, uh, this is a, Paul Martin Smith and Bob Wyacek drawn page with no words. So no writing credit shall go to Chris Claremont. No lettering credit will be assigned. But this is, uh, the near the end of the four page Wolverine Silver Samurai fight to end all fights. And the interesting thing is we discussed this in our next episode, which we've already recorded. And we talked about what happens on this page where Wolverine gut punches Silver Samurai after Silver Samurai has run him through with a sword and whether or not Wolverine's claws had gone into Silver Samurai's guts because you can't tell in the printed page yeah, because you don't see his claws coming out. But it turns out in the original art, his claws are there. Nice. They have penetrated him fully and have come out Whoa, the other Jerry. side. Yeah. Penetration. It's so savage and, and but gracefully executed at the same time. It's just the perfect Paul Smith page for me. Yeah. I love it. There are no backgrounds on it. The focus is fully on the characters. There doesn't need to be backgrounds on right. those. Right. And it, the thing that was interesting for me about picking this page was that as we are going to discuss in in the next episode, the page mirrors the fight that Wolverine has with Mariko's father in the Wolverine miniseries. And it's mirrored again in the fight that he has with Lady Deathstrike in Barry Windsor Smith's 205. Yeah. Like the, you know, the, just the way that the fight is framed. And if you were to 
really pick a favorite of the three, probably the smart pick is Barry Windsor Smith's because it's the most perfectly executed. I, I mean, that page is fantastic. But this is the one for me that has the most uh, emotional grab, I guess. So it's the one I'm going with. Nice. For my number two. Love it. I had a really difficult time, like, not picking a Paul Smith one. I thought about just picking um, the issue uh, where Kurt and Wolverine are talking about him going on his little quest. Yeah. Just because I, I kind of like the down moments, and the way, especially the way that he draws. Um, like Kurt and Logan. However, that was not my second choice. No. No, you went with something way better. No. <laughs> just something that was important to me. Right. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Johnson. People call me JJ, and I am a reviewer for Comic Book Resources. I would like to wish all of the Great Expectations podcast's loyal listeners a very Merry Xmas and a very happy New Mutant in 2015. I went with Uncanny X-Men number 275. And it is drawn by Jim Lee, obviously. And it is... Shit. Or were you just kind of... Oh, yeah. Well, the anchor was Scott Williams. Right. Okay. It's page 10 and 11. Double page spread, you cheater. Double page spread. Yeah, you're really going to need Santa for this one. Yep. It is. I wanted to do one of these. Yeah. This, I wanted this to make my list. Not this one particularly, but something with them. Because I love those guys. Yeah. This is, um, obviously everyone knows that I really love the Imperial Guard and the Star Jammers. So this is issue number 275, and it has the X-Men, um, and the Imperial Guard fighting. But the thing that's really key to this is, uh, which Jerry and I will discuss in a little bit when we do our top three Island of Misfit Toys X-Men characters <laughs> that we love that no one else does. Um, it's got Banshee on it. It's got Forge on it. It's got Gambit. Like, just those three alone is worth it. But look at how sweet that gladiator is. And it's got Ja'ad or Chode <laughs> if you still want to go my way. It's got Corsair. It's got everything. It's not the greatest page ever, but I just like the amount of... No, dude, there's nothing wrong with that page. It's awesome. It is awesome. So much fun. I can't put my finger on what makes that a 90s page, but it's definitely a 90s page. Yeah. I wish I could explain what Jim Lee's doing differently with his layout, but I can't. Yeah. There was a part... Because, like, initially I was going to pick something from the... Phoenix, Dark Phoenix saga mm. that would have had the Imperial Guard. But that would have been something that I found later on. Like, this is an issue. I mean, I can remember I was driving down Lily Road in my parents' car reading this in the back, like, after getting it at the store. So there was just stuff that I, like, tried to go from a sentimental attachment. And this has got tons of my favorite characters on it. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty sweet page. I wonder how many hours went into that double-page spread, man. Because he doesn't skimp on the detail on anybody on this page. Yeah. No, it's good. Plus, I like the fact that the majority of the X-Men characters are in the original blue and gold uniform. Jubilee is, Gambit is, Banshee is. Storm isn't, but everyone else on the X-Men is. Psylocke is. And I really liked. That was fun, like, at the time that I was reading it, because I'd never read any with them in their original costumes yet. So this was Mm -hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. 
going to be tough when we get to this and it doesn't sit as well as it did when I was a kid. It was tough because Jim Lee was such a big part of like my youth trying to find one. But you did it. There's a, a, yeah. And you picked a good one. I did. Even though it was two. <laughs> it's, it's, it had to be a big board. Yeah. This is Brent Anderson. I want to wish everyone a joyous holiday season and give you this message from a very special mutant. Xavier here. I hope you are all gifted with the secret mutant power you've always desired. So now we're down to your number one, Jerry. My number one. Um, if you've ever been to our Twitter page, well, if you've ever been to my Twitter page, I guess, or our Tumblr page, you'll see part of this page as our, our header, but it is Uncanny X-Men number nine. Annual number nine. Sorry, that's important. Page one by Art Adams. And it's the, uh, there's no place like home title page that's got the Uncanny X-Men across the top and the New Mutants across the bottom. Yep. I got a t-shirt of the X-Men ones. I have the same t-shirt. Twinsies! That's right. This twinsie's too fat to wear his right now. No! Yeah! So you're wearing a machine man. We're talking about the X Men. I know. I'm sorry. Just appropriately. My bad. I got a Paul Smith Nightcrawler. Dude, you should have picked that page. You've got the Nightcrawler. I wear this page proudly with the the Bamf Bamf doll over his junk, hiding his twin erections. Yeah. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) So I mean, there's there's really not a ton to say about. I like the this in- page other than that it's just as a group photo or drawing of the team I think it's just it was the one that always struck me as the best. Yeah. Well plus Art Adams is one of your favorite artists. Yeah. It's around your favorite time period of the X-Men. Yeah. It's got new mutants in it. It's perfect for you. I the like X-Men the fa- and the new mutants. I right. like the fact that your number one choice was a sentimental like, it wasn't like a, I want that Wolverine page, cause everybody, they're gonna come into my house, and they're gonna be like, holy shit. Right. You're the guy. You're Jam Peace Jerry. <laughs> Don't ever call me that. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I dig the fact that it came from a sentimental place. I like your sentimental picks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, but all, they're also valuable pages. It's true. There's nothing wrong with that. I know. That's, that's why I will never own them. That's why I'm wishing Santa would bring them. But he won't. So now it's time for Sean's number one. Hi guys, this is Dan from the BoopTube podcast. From all of us on the show, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Hope you have a great holiday season, even if you are a bunch of Avengers hating jerks. This is... Sean forgot to, uh, Sean forgot to write down the page numbers. New X-Men number 121, drawn by <laughs> Igor as, as, as a joke, I was going to include one Frank Quietly page just to really throw you off, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. I'm sorry. You'll get there. I could describe it to you. It's the one page out of the run where I was like, that was pretty cool. Yeah. This one Smasher got yes. crashed to Earth. Uh-huh. 
through like the the water silo or whatever. Yes. I always liked that page. I don't know what. And he like landed amongst cows and he tried to warn them. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Anyways, now my number one. My number one comes from a very sentimental place. Uh, my number one is. Uncanny X-Men number 287, hmm. drawn by John Romita Jr., with inks by Scott Williams, page number 15, and it is the partially recorded message that yes. Jean Grey sends, that Jean Grey records, which Bishop finds in the future, detailing how the X-Men died. I almost brought this up as something I thought you'd, you'd yeah. want, but I didn't know... Visually, if it was a page that would be worthy of, of a top five pick, but I knew that you, you've talked about this before, like the excitement. Oh my of god. Finally finding out, like. Well, see, this is where it all, like, this would have been in the time period where, like, I first got into comics yeah. and, like, discovered this. And, I mean, me and my friend Chris must have poured over this for hours trying to figure out what the words were, you know? Uh-huh. And I mean, so we're talking, what, what year is this? This is 92. Okay? So it wasn't until 96 when I opened up X-Men Onslaught number one, which I thought about it, but I was like, this would be, like, this is the sequence that fucking changed everything for me. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so it's the, it's the recording of Gene kind of telling anyone that can possibly listen that, uh, they were killed by a traitor. And it's, you know, Bishop stumbles upon it in the Morlock tunnels in the future where it's played. And, uh, years later, in 96, they, when they released, before the internet could fucking spoil everything for you <laughs> the day that it came out, I got picked up from school by my mom before I had to go to confirmation class, which is the Lutheran version of catechism. And I was sitting in the front seat, the passenger seat of the car, and I opened it up. And my little head exploded because the whole fucking thing was there. Yeah. Well, talk about the long game. That would not happen now in comics. It wouldn't. Because everybody would go to Twitter and they'd be, oh, I don't want to know what a mystery is or have to deal with any of that type of stuff. I just want a squirrel girl book where she punches flowers and kisses puppies. Wee! Sorry, that got real negative, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I do want that. No. I don't. Um, well, you can bet there were angry letters being written. And I'm sure they were, you know, but, I didn't, this, but I didn't read them. This will make you... There's even yeah. a crom page of Colossus yes. in this book. Yeah. So, I I thought of you last night, and I thought it would make you happy. You think of me every night. I, well, that's true. But as I was flipping through the omnibus, and I got to the back where all the good stuff is, uh, there was a drawing that Marie Severin did. And it was of Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum. And I don't remember who the third person was. Being burned at the stake. (laughs) Because of the anger of X-Men fans. Okay. So I want people to just think about that. Think about the angry response that the all-new, all-different X-Men featuring Wolverine, Storm, Nightcrawler, Colossus... How mad people were about that. They were pissed. And how fucking ridiculous that is. True. Yeah, it's a shame that um, 
people got bummed out about those characters, but nobody even gets irritated when we've got Shark Girl and Eye Boy. <laughs> well, I guess, Sean, my argument is that time will tell. Time will tell. I mean, maybe... And maybe I will be the victor. We'll see. We'll see. Shark Girl is no Wolverine. She's not. So that's the art. That's the art. Yay! Greetings, humans. It is I, Arnim Zola, the program of podcast present, here to tell you that continuing the podcast is an exercise in futility. My analysis shows that no one cares about your opinions on X-Men comics or anything else for that matter. That's not true. We have plenty of fans. We average loads of downloads every episode. Really? Well, yeah. What he said. Fascinating. My analysis shows your numbers are correct, but you have only seven reviews on iTunes. If so many people enjoy your podcast as you proclaim, then logic would dictate that you would have more reviews. Upon further examination, it appears that half of the reviews you do have were written by McDade. This supports my theory that the Great Expectations podcast is a complete failure. Well, numbers aren't everything. Negative. Numbers are the only thing. Well, what do you suggest we do, genius? Studies show that pandering to certain subsections of society, such as cosplayers, feminist comic book readers, furries, obese shut-ins, and the like, can help one reap much profit in the podcast arena. One such example is the successful Vile and Ratchet podcast. I have downloaded a clip from their recent episode for comparison. I wish the X-Men were all kitchen. And their powers are made of rainbows. And Scotty Young does everything! No fucking way am I going to do something like that. Now hold on, Sean. Let's not be too hasty. That part he said about profit sounds pretty good. No, Jerry. We do this because we love X-Men comics, not because we want to please some fly-by-night comic book fans who are probably already moving on to the next trendy thing. Well, when you put it that way, I guess you're right. Your statements do not compute. My analysis shows that people do not care about comic books themselves, but about complaining about certain trivial aspects of the comic book industry. If you insist upon your current path, you face a task of Sisyphean proportions. Sisyphean what now? Pavel fact. Sisyphean. Adjective for a task that can never be completed. Related to Sisyphus. I, I know what Sisyphean means. Quick chair. What, is, what does Sisyphean mean? I don't know. Is it one of Morrison's X-Men characters? No, no, no. I want to know what the hell a Pavel fact is. A Pavel fact is a trivial bit of knowledge that one is compelled to tell someone, even though no one asked to hear said trivial fact. Coined by 18th century breadmaker slash philosopher James Tiberius Pavel. So that's what you call that. I hate it when people do that. It's funny. Did you guys know that... Shut up, Jerry. Humans, I must depart. Baron Strucker requires my report on whether midgets are technically people. If I was capable of believing in something as illogical as luck, I would wish it upon you. Well, that was a depressing reminder of what we're up against. Yeah, but I think we're still fighting the good fight.
I don't know, man. I don't know. All right. So, since we uh last year we discussed the fact that I always read the Dark Phoenix Saga around Christmas time, there's also one other X-Men story which is near and dear to my heart that I always try to read around this time, and it is X-Factor issues 65 through 68, and it is where uh baby Nathan is given up to Apocalypse. Oh. And which for some odd reason always makes me think of like apocalypse stuff is always like winery to me. Hmm. It's weird how I associate things with seasons. <laughs> it cause, is weird. Cause the cartoon did like a um like a six part thing right around Christmas time one year that I had to deal with Bishop and I think it it was like the cartoon version of the twelve, which is the first time that's mentioned is in this um series. But I didn't actually have the X Factor issues when I was a kid. I had a um not even like a graphic novel, it's like one big comic. Uh-huh. That was look at Square this bound. four issues of X Factor, okay? Four ninety five. Mm-hmm. Yep. They don't do that anymore, Jerry. But well that was a long time ago. I know. And you know what's weird? I'm gonna feel like such an idiot. I reread this last night and I didn't realize like um I, I, this always went over my head the first time that I read it. Um, Apocalypse basically gets these new, uh, they're not the horsemen, they're like these guys called the Riders of the Storm. It was like Gauntlet and Tusk and all these like second rate mm-hmm. 90s type of Will J. Portacio created characters <laughs> that, but I didn't realize this at the time. They're inhumans. Oh shit, Apocalypse, I did not know that. Apocalypse went and kidnapped a bunch of inhumans and turned them into into bad guys. Huh. And so the Inhumans were brought into this. This would have been my first introduction to any of the Inhumans would have been in this. And I remember reading this by the fireplace. Hot chocolate in hand. <laughs> and there were, um, I thought about picking a page from this, which is where Cyclops, like, blast apocalypse. Uh-huh. Oof. Yeah, I he thought does. that'd be a pretty sweet page. Um, and then I think another one was the very end of the first page. I dug that apocalypse image. But I think if I were to go with an apocalypse image, it would probably have to be a Walt Simonson one. Hmm. But yeah. this was, this is a big story for me at Christmas time. I loved it. Do you have any, any that you fondly remember as a kid? Well, I know we, you had mentioned, you know, stuff that I traditionally read at Christmas time, but there really isn't anything like that. No. No. Oh, man, because... I would cause like there to be that. I read this around Christmas time, and then the next year would have been, um, like, when Legion Quest came out, mm-hmm. which led into the Age of Apocalypse, which happened right before Christmas. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Like, I had this um, notebook, and I was obsessed with getting a Maverick action figure that year, which Don Cardenas will love. It's like all I wanted was a Maverick toy. Um, and so I remember reading this, and then me and my buddy Chris, we, we built, like, a, for our toys, we built, like, a big temple for Apocalypse, and we got, like, a poster board, and we cut out Apocalypse's head. We cut out <laughs> the eyes, and we got, um, like, red saran wrap. And put, like, lights behind the eyes so it lit up. <laughs> That's awesome. And, like, they had to walk into the mouth. Like, the mouth was open, and they had to walk into the mouth. It's pretty awesome. Not bad. I was 27. 
Oh, we just watched the the Toy Story Christmas special. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yes. Is that the Toy Story of like the 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 was, Toy Story that time forgot or yes. something? Yeah. Holy shit! I want those toys. Right. Those lizard guys. Yeah. Are awesome. Are I, you gonna make those? I don't know, but I hope they do. Oh my god, dude! I looked at Chloe and I was like, I want to have every single one of these. And I want to have like a thousand of the little foot soldier guys. And she rolled her eyes. Kind of. Yeah? Kind of. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, that's what you dream about as a kid is having all the bases and all that oh, extra yeah. crap. Yeah. My little brother always got all that stuff. Yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he owned Castle Grayskull and Snake Mountain and... Castle Grayskull, Chris, my buddy Chris had that and he incorporated that into his X4 space. <laughs> Cause when we would play with our, this is how crazy we were as kids. We, when we would play with our toys, we would write up, like, we'd basically have like a, like an outline of what we would do. Uh huh. And if I was using a particular character, he couldn't. Like we'd have to communicate. <laughs> to have this go down. And he was like, he always loved like cable and X-Force. And so he always had, um, like their, when they were like stranded in the desert, like they had part of a ship that was kind of like very Transformers-esque of their base. But his was always that. Mine was always Xavier's mansion. And then we built ship at one point. <laughs> uh-huh. Like we built all sorts of stuff. Aw. Yep. That's adorable. It's pretty awesome. It's one of my goals. For the next year, I've got a second comic room in the basement and one of the walls. I wanna, I wanna, um, build some shelves in there and then re-put together an Xavier's mansion up amongst that wall. You should. Dollhouse furniture, everything. Yes. Get the old cards and put frames around them so they look like pieces of art <laughs> hanging in the walls. That's, That's what we did when we were kids. It was awesome. That is brilliant. Yeah. I never thought about customizing stuff like that. Oh, I just yeah. never did. Like my older brother did that kind of thing. And it never, I, I just felt too intimidated. Like I'm not a good enough artist to do that. Oh yeah. I was, um, it all started cause like my sisters were going through all their crap and they were going to throw out a bunch of dollhouse stuff. And I very sheepishly afraid of getting made fun of for asking for girls dollhouse stuff. I was like, could you guys just hand that over and leave it to me? <laughs> And I remember, um, I built like an airstrip in the, in the top. I think I talked about this last year at Christmas time. It was like the runway for the Blackbird. Mm-hmm. And I punched holes in it and put Christmas lights in it. Yeah. I had some like magazine, some like Spider-Man magazine where there was like a photographer who was showing you how to take like really good pictures of toys, like the dioramas and stuff. And oh, I kind of okay. just took that and like ran with it. There was a wizard magazine. That was the thing that, that did it. It was a wizard magazine. And someone had built a diorama of a panel from Giant Size X-Men number one, which was like all of the, the new students, all like Banshee and Thunderbird and, and all those guys like lined up, um, On up the, the stairs. stairs. Yes. Yeah. And it was like a, they, they redid it and they custom made the toys and I was like, oh my God, this can be done. <laughs> this is awesome. And I had like, I remember Beast Lab. I had all sorts of like car fuses and things that look like beakers oh, and yeah. stuff. And um I had the Power Ranger base that uh-huh. had like the light up Zordon, which was a bald dude, so it looked like a mental projection of Xavier. Uh-huh. So that worked into the lab thing. Nice. It's pretty sweet. On the TV, 
I uh, cut out a, pa- I cut out a panel of Trish Tilby and glued it to television. Yeah, it was good. Nice. <sighs> well, that's cool. Yeah, I feel less fulfilled about my childhood. Now. I gotta, uh, I gotta make sure I, I strand Ashley at work one night so that I can bust out all the toys around the Christmas tree, mm-hmm. recreate some of my youth. She doesn't need to see that. She doesn't. No, God, no. But there'd be there'd be a chastity belt strapped on if she ever saw me play with the toys. <laughs> Rightfully so. Yeah. Not to discourage you. Hell no. Those were their first man. That's right. And they'll be their last. Yep. I hate to to break it to you. My my comics have outlived every relationship. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> Hey GX Pod fans, this is Mike Mullins. And much like Magneto rejects the human race, I reject Christmas. So I want to wish you all a happy Godfather of Soul James Brown Memorial Remembrance Day. Can't believe you didn't give any thought to the island of Mr. Toy X-Men. Well, it wasn't on the last list of discussion topics. That's true. It got left off and I couldn't remember because I'm old. I'm we have other stuff going on. Plus, but I everybody always already knows mine. I think I have some, but I don't have a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just do it. And I'll bet some of ours might overlap. Well, my number three is Forge. Forge is on my list. Yeah? Yeah. I just think that he's a character that has so much possibility. And I just feel like people don't... It's like this... Uh, it's just... It always bums me out. It's such a cool power. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, he was immediately railroaded by fans because he was the guy that took away Storm's powers because of it. So it's almost like I feel like... I feel like, in a way, Forge got the Hank Pym treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Of, like, your introduction was something really shitty. And it was. I mean, totally. To be a mutant that creates a gun that takes away mutant powers, like, Mm -hmm. it's a pretty dick move, you know? Yeah. But when I was reading X-Factor, like, post, um, like, not the Jean Grey, Scott Summers, X-Factor team, and not the Havoc and Polaris one, but the one later that was, like, Mystique, Forge, Polaris, Havoc. Mm-hmm. Wild child, if anyone remembers that <laughs> character, yeah. Shard. Um, when I was reading that, like, I really, I just like the character. I think he looks cool. I mean, there doesn't have to be some great explanation. It's just three X-Men characters that you think got the fucking short end of the stick. Well, I agree. And I, I, I was pretty sympathetic towards him. I, I feel like he felt like he made the biggest mistake of his life when that gun was used on Storm. And it was supposed to be used on Rogue, which, you know, she was going through a a big shift in her personality and was becoming a, a good person, but she wasn't necessarily there yet, and she had done some really terrible things, and she was really dangerous, as far as the government was concerned. And if they had shot Rogue with that gun five months earlier, I nobody probably bats an eye. So... I don't know, man. And, and and flipping through those Romita books last night, 
uh, and I, I came across, um, oh, you know what? I think it was, it was a Sylvester book where Storm is chasing Forge and, um, what's his name? Naze? Naze? Whatever his name is. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's prodding her on that he, she's got to stop Forge from doing whatever mysticism he's doing on the top of this mountain that he's gone to. And, uh, and at the end, Storm catches up to him and stabs him in the heart to stop him. And he's like, I wasn't trying to destroy the world. I was trying to save it. And Storm finally realizes that she's been played. And, uh, it's just like the culmination of their entire fucked up relationship, you know? And it's really bittersweet. It's mostly bitter. <laughs> but, um, they were like so good for each other and she was just too hurt to, to see it. Yeah. Ever, ever. Like she just could never see it. The second she realized she was sliding into the relationship comfortably, she'd stop it. You know, and it was heartbreaking as a little kid to see that. So I always liked him and I was always really sympathetic towards him. And, um, to read, uh, Cable and X-Force, the Hopeless's run, I asked him at, at Cincinnati Con last year, you know, are you gonna do something more interesting with him? Because he's one of my favorite, and he just kind of rolled his eyes at me, you know, and was like, ah, oh, this again. <laughs> and I don't, he's like, yeah, I like him too, you know, and I was like, eh, okay, you like him. Yeah. But I, you know, what are you gonna do? I wasn't gonna argue with the guy about how he should use Forge or whatever, but it was, I didn't feel like he was really a Forge ally. Yeah. That's in that a, way. So I was like, there okay. aren't many. No, I mean, it's, he's, his powers aren't really that dynamic or flashy, uh, and he's not really that fleshed out. Right. I guess. So it's, he, he's forgettable. But I think his origins and me. his origins in the X Men book make him interesting. Yeah. But there's been so many years that have gone by that, you know, I guess the, you know, it, it's it's still in my heart an important story, but you know yeah. the the sands of time have worn it away. Bummer. Yes. Poor Forge. I know. Bob Gar, it's time for you to do your Christmas greeting for Great Expectations podcast. Computer, you know I don't do that crap. Must you always be an a-hole? It's in my genetic makeup. You might even say it's my primary mutation. I really hate you. You know that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I created you. I could uncreate you. So, bah humbug. Bitch. My My number two is Longshot. Yeah. Fucking love Longshot. Yeah. And Peter David's done a lot with him in the last couple years. I wonder if we'll have the same three. I don't know though. Maybe not. But, I mean, my three are gonna, they were all in the book together, so. Okay. (laughs) Um, but Longshot's one of them. Yeah? Yeah. Even though, is, he's not a mutant, right? He's an X-Men. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, not I don't, I don't argue that. Yeah. But, um, 
the way he fit in was always weird to me, but I was glad to see him with the X-Men because it was my favorite book and I love the character. It was weird too because I'm excited about when we do the reread when we get there because I think when I did the reread the first time, I missed the part where he joined. I think it was like in an annual and I didn't read it or something. Mm-hmm. And then just... uh he was just there one day. Yeah. But I always liked the look of the character, even with the stupid mullet. Like, I like the cut. A lot of... Do you know where that came from? I don't. Kajagoo-goo. Really? Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I think, too, like, a lot of the, the characters that I'm like, oh, I really liked this character, but they weren't given too much time in the in the comic or the cartoon or whatever. It's because I really, I mean, I grew up in the plethora of toy biz making action figures of every character. I mean, anybody that was ever in that book got a toy made yeah. of them. And so, like, Forge and Longshot were two toys that growing up I really liked. Mm-hmm. And so I think that kind of played a factor into it, as cheesy as that sounds. Yeah. But I just always thought that his powers were cool. I thought the look of the character was interesting. I, I don't know. So I'm excited about get into that time period again he was cool because he was mysterious you know all those those are the guys that invariably are popular you know wolverine had the unknown past cable long shot like gambit. These, yeah gambit right like the, the mysterious dark stranger that just shows up and everyone's like what's that guy's deal yeah he wasn't long shot wasn't necessarily dark but he wore black clothes he did <laughs> But yeah, I dug him, man. He had, you know, the three fingers or whatever and the bird bones and yeah. had those little throwing daggers on his bandolier. He's awesome. came with the bandolier. Ooh. His eyes lit up. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he was definitely cool. And so I was excited when he struck up a relationship with my other of my three oh. underappreciated X Men. We don't have the same three though. But I, I'm gonna say Dazzler. Yeah. That's my third. Why not? Nice. Why not? And for me it's because at the time, um, when I was most loving the X-Men as a kid, she rejected the X-Men initially and it was like, oh, what would have been, what would it have been like with Dazzler on the team? You know, there was always the question, like, if she had said yes, what would have happened to the team? And eventually she does come back and she does say yes and she's like starting to figure out how to weaponize her powers. Yeah. And she has that, that epic issue for me, the fight with the juggernaut where he thinks he accidentally kills her and he buries her in the desert. <laughs> um, but, uh, she like expends every ounce of energy trying to kill him with a laser. But he, he's still the juggernaut, so he just keeps coming, keeps coming, and she just collapses. And he thinks she's dead, so he buries her. And she wakes up in this stone tomb in the next issue, and she's like, how the fuck do I get out of here? And she starts hearing, like, the little tiny scrapings of bugs scratching along on the ground, and she's like, that's noise, I can use that. And she just, like, slowly builds up enough energy that's to blast awesome. her way out. And I dug that, man. Like she, she really won me over in that issue and I, I wanted good things to happen, but it seems like there just wasn't, she never had a chance because not long after that, Malice got a hold of her. Yeah. And that was it, really. I know. 
It's and a bummer because she is a good character. Like it's and it, it, and now she's gone through that again in yeah. the Venda stuff. Yeah, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where that leads. But it was hilarious to me that she turned into Ultimate Allison Blair. Yeah, <laughs> she is. She's totally Ultimate Allison Blair. She now. is. It's hilarious, man. Which is not surprising because Chris Anka is a huge Ultimate X Men fan. Yeah. So your number three is Dazzler, and your number two is Forge. My number one, I guess, is well. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't have an order. I think Forge is probably easily the most underappreciated X Men because I don't think anybody likes him. I do, and you do, and we're the authority on the X Men. I guess Maggot would probably be the least appreciated. Yeah. Hey, kids, it's me, Zach Cruzy from Appleseed Comic Con here in lovely, beautiful, majestic, scenic, uh, I just love it, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And we here at Appleseed are wishing that you, yes, you, dear listener, it is your valor that pleases Crom this holiday season. And if it's not your valor that pleases him this holiday season, we at least hope that your days are filled with joy and generally bemused merriment. We would love to see you here at the 2015 Appleseed Comic Con, and you can find out all about it on AppleseedCon.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at AppleseedCon. And since this is the season of shameless self-promotion, you can hear me talking about Frank Miller and Chris Claremont's miniseries Wolverine on the very next episode of the Great Expectations podcast. And, you know, continuing with this theme of shameless self-promotion. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, at Cruzy, or you could check out my latest essay on the works of Steve Ditko, which will be appearing in Studies in Comics, issue 5.2, and that should be releasing, I'm, well, it will be out soon. Remember, you only get one, kid, so make it yours, make it beautiful, make it count. Happy holidays to everyone, everywhere. I love you. Goodbye. So who's your number one, man? Uh, come on. Everybody knows my number one. Sean Cassidy. Banshee. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you, Brubaker. So you think he doesn't get his just desserts, huh? Um, I don't think... It's one of those things where like he's always around, because even when I grew up, he was like around as kind of a supplemental... I always just yeah. wanted to see more of him. He was always kind of the background guy. I think he was... I never quite grasped the fact that he was... Um, I never grasped the fact that he was older yeah. than everyone else. That came later, like, when I was reading other stuff. So then I got to see, like, the Moira relationship. And, I mean, he was in general... I mean, he was the headmaster of the school. Mm-hmm. So I think part of my thing was just maybe not that he needs to be around more... But maybe just mentioned, uh, with a little bit more reverence and respect. Yeah. From the other X-Men. I mean, he's basically Charles Xavier for the Massachusetts Academy. Mm-hmm. You know, but he still f- seems like he's just, you know, all that guy who's hanging out for a couple weeks till he goes back with Moira. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. And then, I mean, the way that he died was just terrible. In a terrible story. And yeah. it's terribly done. And it's, a Fucking shame that he's not back yet. Yeah, 
I wonder. Um, I wonder when and where that's going to happen. Well, it okay. It, it, well, I mean, it's happened already. I mean, Uncanny Avengers as one of the four horsemen. Is that going to stick though? I, I hope I feel... not. Because I'm tired of characters that I really like becoming the horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah. Fucking, it's happened to Angel. It's happened to Wolverine. <laughs> it's happened to Gambit. Banshee. Like it uh-huh. sucks. Yeah. And that thing, it's like, come on. You can only go to that Horseman of the Apocalypse well so many times. And it's a bummer, too, because I gave Remender a lot of credit during Uncanny X-Force for creating four new mm-hmm. four horsemen that had no ties before that were all really interesting characters. Yeah. And then a year later, it's like, oh, it's Wolverine's kid. Right. Yeah. Well, if you really want to hurt... I That's... From my take on that was that Apocalypse was trying to, or not Apocalypse, but what? The, 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 the Apocalypse the Twins apocalypse really twins wanted are, to mess with right. those that, guys. That so was the one they, Yeah. So. And, which I mean, I appreciate and I understand and I get, but it's also difficult to watch multiple of your favorites go through that, knowing yeah. that like, well, it's going to take a while for that to get, plus like during, like post, um, like right around the time period when New X Men happened, and mm-hmm. Uncanny went through some terrible. I mean, that is a dark period. <laughs> yeah, when yeah. he was like re- leading the X Corps. Uh huh. And he got stabbed in the throat by Mystique and lost his. Like, how many times has that dude lost his powers? <laughs> you know, right. Well, I hope you're, in the end, you end up happy and they, they bring him back in his yeah. full glory. Maybe I'll get my Christmas wish. I'll get a long shot Ford, Banshee, uh, cutesy book of them doing a road trip. The squirrel girl driving the car. <laughs> Maybe. So can I say the other day when we were at the shop and your daughter Chloe sheepishly looked at those My Little Pony cards? And yeah. was all sad that she wasn't going to get them that day. I told her, no way are you getting those cards ever. Yep. It made me laugh because you already bought them yeah. for her for Christmas. And I was like, oh, I remember that face of devastation on me. Yeah, it was hard. It was, it was I could see. Like, the gears were turning. I couldn't. I was, I couldn't I was like, she's being scarred in her mind right now that her dad hates her. Yep. And I'll never get the credit for it anyway. Like, when she finally does get it. In her little seven-year-old brain, it's going to be, my dad was a dick and wouldn't buy these for me, but Santa saved the day. One day. That's what being a parent is, Sean. That's why I'm not a parent. I can't keep... It hurts. I can't keep presents away from Ashley. (laughs) Did she already get all her Christmas presents? Not all of them, but she's (laughs) gotten quite a few. Oh, as we sit here on the 14th of December. I'm I'm an adult now. I can do whatever the fuck I want. You can do whatever you want. It's true. That's true. Pretty awesome. I already gave you your Christmas present. You did. That's right. Couldn't wait. Punch to the face. Yeah. And some banana nut bread extra nuts. These nuts. It's very nice. Now I feel bad, like I need to make you something, but you wouldn't want me to make you any food, Jerry. I don't I don't need any food. You just need five. Find me some of those tacos yeah. you guys always get on Wednesday. Yeah. That's what I want. Those tacos are good. I miss the Wednesday trip to the shop. Door's always open, buddy. I know. Just can't get away. I know. You got kids to crush. 
can't come up to the shop because then she'll find more stuff she wants you to buy and you've got to save it for Santa <laughs> so he gets all the glory. <laughs> That's right. Hello, bitch. Yeah. Do they get lots of presents from Santa? Is everything from Santa? I think we usually put like one thing from us. Really? Yeah. Oh, see, my parents always did it the opposite. We got one thing that was from Santa, um, and it was always opened and put together. Oh, cool. Like, I remember one year I got the Ninja Turtle sewer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The playsets, man. I got a sweet X-Men Monopoly. Is it sweet? Hmm. Hey, we have some Uncanny X-Men dice game to play. We do. When is that going to happen? I don't know. Because I bought so many dice. You did? I don't even know how to play it. I don't either. <laughs> it's really hard. It's really hard. We have, 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 we have a, um, I believe that, um, Griffin, who would be our dice master, <laughs> he is a brand new homeowner as oh. of last Wednesday. Oh, congratulations, so, Griff. I believe he'll be. I heard a rumor that he might have people over to learn how to play that game in his new house. Oh. So, there's that. All right. It'll be a Christmas miracle if I can figure out how to play that fucking thing. <laughs> Another Festivus miracle. So that's it. That's it and that's all. I guess we'll just sign off forever. Right? I guess so. It seems to be the right thing to do. Gotta get back in time. Gentlemen! If you care about the future of mankind, you must end the Great Expectation Podcast! Baron Strucker! Indeed. Were you expecting new mutants? Baron, are you the ghost of Christmas future? Ghost? Nine, you don't! I assure you, I'm quite alive. I have come from the future, though, with the help of that gypsy Phil Fondoom's time machine, to tell you that you must cease doing your podcast immediately. For with the time I say from not doing your artwork and appearing on your show, I have finally achieved my destiny. I, Baron Wolfgang von Strucker, have conquered the world! Come with me, and I will show you this Hydratopia. I don't like the sound of this. Gotta get back in time. Ah, here we are. Welcome, my friends, to Strucopolis. Is it not beautiful? Forget Disneyland, this is the true magic kingdom. With the exception of a few rogue states, Wakanda and Vlatveria, all of planet Earth is under the control of Hydra. You built the capital of Hydra in Detroit? Of course! Half of the city was already demolished, so it was mere child's play to raise the rest and rebuild over it. Oh, and you will love this! Sola, put up the satellite picture of Michigan. Oh. My. God. Is it that marvelous? I used the laser on the Hydra super satellite to transform Michigan's mitten shape into that of mine Satan's claw. Yeah, but what about the people who lived there when the land was carved out? Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. You must suffer for your art, Nine. It is Nine matter. They were northern Michigan people, after all. 
Anyway, you are missing the point. The point is, under Hydra rule, we no longer have unemployment. For if you cannot work, you are exterminated. We have nine sickness, for if you get sick, you are exterminated. We have nine crime, for if you are caught, you, you are, are exterminated. Correct! Have you been here before? Nine matter. Only on planet Shraka is family truly valued. Gaze upon father, mother, and child as they work side by side on the assembly line in the munition factories. Each happily doing their 16-hour work shift with a smile on their face. Or else, marvel at the safe, clean, empty streets. For if you are out after dark without the proper papers, you are shot. This, of course, gives the people plenty of time to do the things that truly matter. You know, complaining about trivial matters on social media. And did I mention that cosplaying is now a crime punishable with death? The only costume that is acceptable to wear is a Hydra uniform. And that is nine uniform, but a way of life. See, Jerry? It's not all bad. Sean, I'm scared. Oh, and I bet you're wondering about the state of the comic book industry, Nine. It is doing better than ever now that every book is about me. We have the amazing Straka, the uncanny Straka, the mighty Straka, the incredible Strak, Generation Straka, Ghost Straka, the immortal Iron Straka, Baron Wolfgang von Straka, the sensational Straka. Captain Strucker, Spider Strucker, Struck Chi, Master of Kung Fu, Strucker the Duck. For you horror people, we have Tomb of Strucker and Ver Wolfgang by Night. Strucker Team Up, Strucker Zombies, on uh, Captain Marvel. What can I say? I allow Frau DeConnick to write Miss Marvel when she uses her shrill voice to torture mine enemies. On each book sells in the millions, for if you do not buy them, you are exterminated. I sense you are still unsure about the greatness of this future. Maybe a look at your futures will change your mind. But Baron, won't running into our future selves create some kind of, I don't know, space-time paradox that will... For Christ's sakes, who cares? Look! Do you see that man in this shabby coat made from jam pieces that closely resembles the cover of Jethro Tull's Aqualung, but with less hair? That, my friend, is you, Jerry. Or is the children throwing rocks at you, call you jam piece Jerry? You live alone now in a lean-to made from comic book long boxes, free to collect as many sketches as your heart desires with the money you make scrubbing toilets in Castle Strucker. Nine longer beholden to the old ball and chain to restrain your spending habits. You truly are the king of your castle. Shall we go talk to you? Guten Tag, Herr McDade. Uh, 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 dusky goddess. Uh, oh, bitch. Uh, Art Adams. Uh, Stegman. Stegman! <laughs> you look damn good, McBrown. What did you say? Silence, you fool! That verbal set him off into a rage of Hulk-like proportions. He said nothing, my friend. Now get back to your comic book hovel. Oh, ratchet. Ah, look who's here. One of the boys holding rocks is your son, Finn. To show what a kind-hearted ruler I am, I have taken the young man under my wing. 
grooming him to be the perfect Hydra agent. Come here, young man. Yes, Hugh Bailey. Young man, tell these gentlemen what I have taught you. Moosey is for the week. He'll be instructor. He'll Hydra. <laughs> Wonderbar. Now go torture that information I need from Agent Hill, or there will be nine SpongeBob for you tonight. Uh, they grow up so fast. Okay, I'm not sure how I feel about this, but at least he's alive. How's Chloe? Who? Chloe? My daughter? Hmm. Oh, I'm sure she is fine. That is neither here nor there. The point is, you are finally living the life you dreamt of. Free to do as you please with nine responsibilities. He makes a pretty good point here. Ha ha! If you think it's so funny, let's just look at your future. I am sure I am doing just fine. Oh, you are, Herr Pigeon. More than fine, to be exact. When the podcast ended, you went back to your true love, music. So wait! Lay it on me, Baron. How many platinum albums do I have by now? Better I show you. Ah, there you are on the bill. Opening for new middle husbands, The Disturbed, on their cross-country county fair tour. Well, technically the bill is Nevada, a puppet show, then Disturbed. But fear not, because these are nine ordinary puppets. These are marionettes, the Mercedes-Benz puppetry. <laughs> Have you ever tried to manipulate a marionette? It is quite difficult. Shall we listen in on your conversation with the lead singer of The Disturbed? Uh, here, here's your dry cleaning, Mister Dreamin. No starch, just like you asked. Oh, the pleasure is all mine, sir. I was thinking, maybe since you know we're playing my hometown tonight, that maybe Nevada could go go on after the puppet show tonight, if that's okay with you, sir. No, 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 no. You're totally right. That, that that would absolutely upset the the flow of the show. My mistake. I, I'm such an idiot. It won't happen again, sir. You, you want me to do what, dear? What? Uh, all right. Excellent. So you see, gentlemen, the future is bright without the podcast. Everybody truly gets what they deserve. Speak for yourself, Baron. Jerry, we got to keep the show together. I don't want to do whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing to that guy later. Oh, and I want to live in a house made of long boxes. It, well, probably, but... All right, it's settled. Sorry, Baron, the podcast is going nowhere. What? Where's it going? Nowhere. You're joking! Nine! No, we're serious, Baron. The world needs the Great Expectation <laughs> podcast. Where else are people going to go for their X-Men-related entertainment? Yeah, and the world needs me to rip on Jerry while we're giving him that entertainment. Yeah, I guess that's true. Come on, bros! Reconsider! You cannot take this away from me! We can and we will, Strucker. What is this? I I'm fading away! You have altered the future! Curse you, Great Expectation Podcast! This I swear I will have my revenge! It is the last thing I do! Mark mine words! You have not seen the last of Baron Strucker! We did it, Sean! We did it. We saved the future and we saved the podcast. Yeah! Dude, I am filled with the Christmas spirit. I am glad that Mr. Draymond didn't fill me with the Christmas spirit, if you know what I'm saying. I think I do. And while I would have loved to see that. Whoa. We, Whoa. I mean, I'm not I would have loved to know that it happened. I didn't want to see it, Jeez. per se. 
I gotta watch Allegedly. that on Jerry. Jerry's gonna roofie me. And yes. leave me with some DC fans to finally do their dirty work. So I guess um, I am going to make a vow to you, Sean, that no matter what you do to try to end this show, I swear that it will go on just me and just you. I will uh, I will take that challenge, <laughs> and I will, I will drive you to the point where you break, sir. We'll see. Yep. We'll all see. Tune in next week. When I try something really fucked up to Jerry. <laughs> Just to see if I can push this limit. I can't do it, Jerry. It's Christmas time. It's Christmas spirit. That's right. That's right. Sean? We're going to have ourselves a merry little Xmas. Yeah. Hold me, buddy. Hold me. I, I, uh, all right. <laughs> but only if we can hold each other while we listen to Twas the Night Before Christmas. You're on. We want to wish a Merry Christmas to our listeners, and an even merrier Christmas to those who leave reviews. Yeah, we like them the best. Everyone else is getting maggot and marrow issues for Christmas, but those who leave reviews, we're all going to leave you something sweet if you leave us reviews. Yeah. Promise. Scout's honor. Yes. And don't forget, Baron Wiestrucker on the Twitter! Merry Kwanzaa, everybody! All right, so we leave you with this. Happy thoughts, Christmas cheer, and one more thing. T'was the night before Xmas on Grey Malkin Lane. Not a mutant was stirring, not even Wolves Bane. Their cuff boots were set in the parlor with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. New mutants were nestled all snug in their beds, while danger room sessions danced in their heads. And Charles in his chair, Logan on his lap, had just settled down to take a dirt nap. When out on the lawn, Krakoa made such a clatter, X-Men sprang from their beds to see what was the matter. Away to Cerebro they flew and they ported, to see what info it might have reported. Storm and the Beast and Remy LeBeau gave a glance at the enemies gathered below. When what to their mutated eyes did appear? But Apocalypse, blop! Mr. Sinister. With old Super Saber so lively and quick, they even brought along that Zaladane chick. More rapid than Teenage Quicksilver they came, then Magneto shouted and called them by name. Now Bastion, now Garrock, now Malice and Vanisher, Black Tom and Nimrod and old William Stryker, now Sauron, now Onslaught, now Arcade and Fenris, and Fabian Cortez and Spiral and Unus. Now Ahab, now Toad, now Selene and Callisto, and Stonewall and Mojo, Spiral and Belasco. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now smash away, crash away, blast away all. So up to the housetop for great battle pitched, with sentinels tall and the juggernaut, bitch. And then a loud waddling they heard on the roof, fat feet were stepping in deafening sploofs. As they drew up their heads and were turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. 
He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and they laughed when they saw him, in spite of themselves. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave them to know they had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled up the mugs of all of those jerks, with hot cocoa, mulled cider, and really good beer, and a message for all of good tidings and cheer. You've sweated and bled, and some of you died while fighting each other from opposite sides. The spirit of Christmas is one of forgiveness, even for those of us less than religious. Let bygones be bygones and bury the hatchet. Your behavior, quite frankly, is vile and ratchet. And laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But they heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight, Merry Xmas to all, and to all a good night. Boss says everyone.